Respectfully. 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 A Melanated Therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Rade. And I'm Dimitrik, and this is Respectfully, a Melanated Therapist podcast. Just a quick disclaimer, this is not therapy. We are just two people who are doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. Okay. Hey, friend. How you doing? Doing good. I mean, you know, it's been quite the interesting week, but I'm here and it's a pleasure to be looking at your smiling face. Oh, hey. I love it. (laughs) I, you know, I'm living. Um, This week is going to be pretty lax, so I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, just some rest, finally. Amen. All right. Well, we are talking about depression today and just want to share with you all what depression actually is. And it's common in a very serious medical condition or illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think and how you act. Depression causes feelings of sadness and or loss of interest in activities that you once enjoyed. I think it's also important for me to note here that depression can be clinical or episodic. And clinical depression looks like having a chemical imbalance. Um, And it doesn't really take anything to trigger it, so to speak. It doesn't take any external situations. It's simply the way your body functions. And then episodic is based on situations such as someone passing, so dealing with grief, or experiencing a situation that creates shame or embarrassment, leading you to a depressive episode, things like that. Okay. Thanks for that nice uh, kickoff, Rade. So mm-hmm. I have a question for you. So yeah. what are some of the challenges you experience as a clinician providing treatment to individuals living with clinical depression? Um. I would say some of the biggest challenges is that, especially with clinical depression, not having it be triggered by a specific event all the time. Mm -hmm. I think because it can kind of catch us at left field is where the challenges occur. So for Mm -hmm. me and my clients, we have to be so intentional about identifying warning signs or constantly keeping a log of the depressive episodes and what kind of what may have led into them a bit um but i think other than that i would say sometimes even coordinating care with psychiatrists can be a hard part or a challenging Mm -hmm. part because we want our clients to be on medications that work effectively for them if they want to take medications Mm -hmm. um rather than uh, having them try medications that are not working for them. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of the work really doesn't start until they are stabilized if they're taking medications. Yeah. So completely those agree. are the challenges. What about for you? You know, honestly, for me, because I do work, I have a lot of uh, work with a lot of clients that, you know, have challenges with clinical depression. And for me, it's really getting them to a place to where they accept that they have clinical depression. And then from there, it's that lack of motivation. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like getting them to start that process to 
start to feel better, to start to get to a, a level of better functioning. And I think that, you know, a lot of clients struggle with, you know, having that lack of motivation and wanting to get better, but just for some reason, they just can't take that first step. So I think, you know, for me as a clinician, you know, helping clients get to that place of full acceptance, awareness, and taking that first step to putting things in place to help improve um, their functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. That's definitely a challenge of mine. I don't know why I didn't think about that one, but it's <laughs> definitely, you know, seriously, it exists because, <laughs> you know, I think that it's that first step of getting us, getting us to move, right? Mm-hmm. And it feels when you are experiencing depression, you feel stuck. You mm-hmm. feel stuck. You feel unmotivated, like you said, and it just... Yeah. It startles a lot of things, a lot of productivity. Let me say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so. And um, I'm going to be honest with y'all. This, Like I said, this is a space where we're going to be real and raw with you guys. And mm-hmm. as a clinician, it takes a lot of patience. It oh, takes yeah. a lot of patience because you're going to repeat the same thing several times. And it's not that clients don't want to listen to us most of the mm-hmm. time. It's really because they just can't seem to take that first step. Like they can't find that energy or that will to make that first step on the journey mm-hmm. to, you know, recovery of sorts, you know, making sure mm-hmm. that they're taking care of themselves. And, you know, for all of those out there who, you know, don't have any experiences with depression, like the simplest task becomes hard to complete, like getting out of bed, like brushing your teeth, taking a shower, all of those Mm -hmm. things become almost like burdens, you know what I mean? So like I said, it takes a a definitely a patient therapist to, to successfully or effectively treat someone living with depression. Yeah, 100% agree. It definitely takes patience on our end and it takes some grace on our end as well. Recognizing mm-hmm. that I give my clients, you know, task homework, so to speak, and we come back to a session. I'm like, okay, so what happened? Did we do this, you know, one <laughs> task? And they're like, no, <laughs> couldn't get out of bed, or I just didn't feel like doing mm-hmm. it, or it just felt too overwhelming. And truth of the matter is, is we work with it, we roll with it, right? Exactly. We try to find out, okay, exactly. so what can we do here today? Right. Or how can we make that task feel smaller so that Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel so big once we are done with our session today? Right. Absolutely. That that's the same thing I tell my clients right there all the time. Listen, you know, I understand and we can't change yesterday or the day before that. But what we can do is we can do something different today. So what are we going to do different today to reach our goals? So, you know, I laugh because that is a common thing. Like you assign these tasks and, you know, we have that faith and confidence in our clients that they're going to get it done when we come. But, you know, we also accept that, you know, it may not be as simple as getting on that laptop or, you know, reading that article or completing completing that worksheet or reading that chapter in the book. And like Rade said, it's, it's really all about all, not just patience, but extending grace. Yep, definitely. Okay. So Demetric, I have a quick question for you. Sure. Do you have any personal experience with depression? Yes. So as you all um well, previous listeners, and of course, we welcome new listeners. But in the first episode, I kind of talked about how, you know, my own personal experience with mental health um, actually, you know, made me want to be a therapist, but it was clinical depression. And, you know, I think the hardest thing for me um, was acceptance, you know, really un- actually calling it depression because. Mm-hmm. 
I was feeling sad. And I'm like, okay, why am I feeling this way? I have absolutely no reason to be sad. I had good friends. I had a supportive, you know, mother and brother. You know, the living situation was fine. I just mm-hmm. had no possible reason to to be feeling sad, which made me feel even more sad because right. what's wrong with me now? Was Making it justified? Me feel, exactly. Making me feel mm-hmm. defective of sorts. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, and it took me a very long time to actually say I have clinical depression. It took me a very long time to even get treatment. Um, You know, I had my first depressive episode at 17 and I kid you all not, I did not get treatment until I was in my early thirties. So all that time, a good friend in our graduate program. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, shout out to Jenny, another lifelong friend that you know we mm-hmm. gained from being in that program. And I, I told her how I was feeling, and um, she was like, "Dimitri, it sounds like you experiencing depression." I was like, "Girl, no, I, I'm all right. You know, it's it's whatever." Um, and she was like, no, I really think you should probably go talk to someone. And I yeah. went to talk to someone and they kind of confirmed that, you know, based on my background all the way up until that moment that I had gone through, you know, quite a few depressive episodes. And, yeah. you know, from there, I started going to therapy consistently. Um, and that's been a wonderful help. Um, you know, the biggest challenge um, that I Another challenge that I had after I actually accepted that I had depression was really, you know, disputing those negative messages that I was sending myself as a result of the depression and then Mm -hmm. trying to manage, you know, not only manage depression, but anxiety typically comes along with depression, you know, so you know, what it looked like for me was a vicious cycle of anxiety and depression. So I don't have any motivation to do anything, but I know I have 10,000 things I need to get done. So now I'm stressed and I'm anxious about the fact that I can't get anything done, which then makes me feel depressed because I didn't get anything done. And it's just a vicious cycle. Um, You know, what I can say you know, the biggest thing that helped me was self-awareness, like understanding, okay, Dimitri, what happens right before you go into an episode, right? Like, how are you feeling? What's going on around you? What are you able to get done? You know, what are those warning signs that I'm getting ready to enter a depressive episode so that I can use the tools that I've obtained to manage it so that I'm not in a space where now I'm depressed and now I can't get anything done, which is like in my anxiety, right? Um Yeah. So, you know, that's my personal experience with it. And, you know, I am, I feel like I'm on the other side of it. Like I can manage it um, based on, you know, all of the things and all of the work that I've done to, to get me here. How about you? Thanks for sharing that, friend. Of course. Um, Yeah. So, all right, y'all. Real and raw. All right. So I definitely have a personal experience with depression. but different than Demetric, mine is not clinical. I actually have episodic depression. And so my first depressive episode was back in 2017 after experiencing tremendous weight gain after a medical diagnosis. And I didn't know what to do with myself, how to deal with that, right? And the kicker was we were also, I was also in my graduate program. Um, I remember kind of going through a space where it was put on a medical record that I had depression, 
And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, take that off. Like, right? I'm literally studying Mm -hmm. to be a therapist and learning about all of these different diagnoses, right? And understanding depression and offering grace to other people. But I couldn't give it to myself. And I was really, really struggling with the idea of having depression. I had been so used to being go, 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 whatever I needed to do, I get it done, right? I have to, you know, that perfectionist mindset that we had talked about Mm -hmm. in the previous episode. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I realized, you know, something's got to give. But before I could even do anything about it, I had dealt with all kinds of symptoms that really shook me so much so that I was like, okay, I need to go and talk to someone. And so I did. Um, And that Mm -hmm. really, really helped me to recognize what was showing up for me um, and how to deal with that, how to manage it and how to recognize my Mm -hmm. warning signs, because I have some very significant ones that I'm able to say, okay, when I start doing this, this and this, or when I start thinking this, this and this, an episode Mm -hmm. is on the rise and Mm -hmm. I can get a handle on this now versus later. Mm -hmm. And I think. One thing that I really struggled with as well is thinking that I can handle this myself. Mm-hmm. I think, especially as we we're in grad school, I'm like, dude, like I know what to do. I help people get through this. <laughs> I can do right. this on my own. What I need to do, a little CBT? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Cognitive and, restructuring, you know. Right. Like, what do I need to do? Right. Look at these distortions. Like, what's up? But that wasn't enough, right? Like I also needed mm-hmm. someone to keep me accountable to my to my lack of motivation because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything. I was stuck, and it had me in a pretty negative space. And coming from that to where I am now, where I'm even able to talk to you know family members, friends about my experiences, mm-hmm. my partner about, okay, look, I think I'm about to have a moment, you know. And he's also like, mm-hmm. he knows what to do, right? Like so, yeah. it just feels. <laughs> good to be in a space where I know that I have this adequate support from myself and from the people around me because I've been able to own it. Like this is Mm -hmm. a part of my life experience and some radical acceptance around it. I got this. (laughs) Hey man, thank you for sharing that friend. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one thing that resonated with me when you were uh, sharing your story was I thought the same thing. Like, how I can't have depression, nothing. I can't have, you know, a mental, you know, condition. And I'm Mm -hmm. about to be a therapist. Like, nobody's going to want to talk to me. So, again, with the negative messages that I was sending myself, because now being on the other side of it, I know that that actually equips us to be better therapists because it gives us a a different level of relatability with our clients who are experiencing depression or, you know, it, it allows us to show them more empathy and grace because when you say I don't feel like I don't have the motivation to do anything or I'm having difficulty getting out of bed we feel that yes I know what you mean boo like I get it right (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) okay well now we're moving on to our Q&A section of the podcast you know therapist hats off so our first question we have is, what are some helpful tips to cope with depression? Okay, um, I'll jump in with this one. I think, for one, if you're experiencing depression, find a therapist, okay? I think there is really, really important to use therapy as a coping mechanism, as a coping skill to learn some more tools, 
Okay. Right. Um, and to have a safe space where you can talk about not wanting to do anything or talk about these negative feelings, thoughts, emotions, uh, behaviors that you're engaging in because of your depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another uh, very, very helpful tip is or coping skill is journaling. Journal. Yes. And I think journaling can be done in two ways. I like to offer written journaling where you can process out. I once had a teacher in high school. I will never forget. Don't judge me. <laughs> but I had a teacher in high school that said, <laughs> that she said, your thought is not complete unless you can write it down. And Amen. there is some like gravity to that for me. If you mm-hmm. can write down your thoughts, your depressive thoughts, emotions, and all of those things, if you can write them down and go back, look over those things and refute them, you're already checking off some boxes. We already winning over yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I think another way to journal is what I call verbal journaling, where you can talk it out. Open your phone, open up a voice memo, make sure it's no longer than seven to 10 minutes and verbalize. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Say it out loud. Sometimes we have to hear ourselves say the things that we're like, Mm-mm. because truth of the matter is, is that if somebody else said those things to us as we're dealing with depression, we would probably be like, why are you talking to me like that? And Mm -hmm. so if you are saying it to yourself, be your own friend, right? It's the same thing as if Mm -hmm. you're talking to your friend. If your friend was coming to you about uh, depressive symptoms and telling you how they're feeling, you'd probably offer them some encouragement. Be your own friend in that Mm -hmm. way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So verbal journaling, I think, can really be helpful if you can hear yourself say something out loud and you can kind of check in with that. Because sometimes it helps us notice those themes that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um. Last coping skill that I will um, throw out there and then I'll let you jump in here, Demetric, just in case, you you know, you have some other ones to definitely add is exercise. I don't think it's for everybody mm-hmm. all the time, but I do think get out, get outside, kind of get some sunlight even um, or get up and move around for at least 30 minutes. Go for mm-hmm. a walk, go to the park mm-hmm. or take if you have pets, take your dogs out different things like that, just to kind of give yourself some space. So, yeah. What Great are you coping skills, Rade. I mean, honestly, you kind of hit the nail on the head with all of those. You know, the only thing that I would say is, you know, find things that bring you some si- some sort of joy or happiness. Because we know that mm-hmm. one of the symptoms of depression is that you lose interest in activities that you once joy. And that's okay. Let's find some new things that we can get into. Maybe a new hobby. You know, mm-hmm. if you know that talking to, you know, your best friend makes you smile, call your best friend, send your best friend a text message, you know, rely on your support system. And I think, you know, it's what's really important is on those days where you feel like you can't get out of bed, just put one foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, break it down into smaller steps. Okay, I have one foot on the ground. Okay, Demetri, let's put two feet on the ground or both feet mm-hmm. on the ground. Okay, now let's walk into the bathroom. Okay, once we're right. in the bathroom, let's do this. And I know that that sounds real, you know, mechanical and technical, but, you know, taking things step by step is very helpful, especially when you're in amidst a uh, depressive episode. And um, like Rade said, kind of 
journaling, but definitely created some type of self-care plan, okay? Being aware mm-hmm. of your triggers, okay? How do I know a de- uh, depressive episode is coming? And then, okay, what are some things that I can do by myself that will help improve my mood? And then, okay, who are the people that I can lean on as far as a support system to help me get through this this episode? And um, yeah, that's my input on that one. You know, as we're talking about coping skills, I feel like we need to be pretty intentional about explaining what coping skills are. And I just want to say that coping skills are not distractions from depression. It's not going to be a distraction from those negative feelings. They are made to help you self-soothe. So with that being said, we're going to have levels of coping skills. We may have the ones that um, help you immediately, right? We may have ones that are, like I said, short-term helping you immediately or the long-term ones where they help us manage the depression overall. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so for instance, that exercising kind of thing will help us to manage depression overall, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas getting, just putting one foot on the ground, going into the bathroom is that short-term quick one to kind of help us switch our mood or be intentional about what we're doing. So I just want to point that out that this is not distractions. We don't want coping skills to be used as a form of numbing. So when you are depressed and experiencing an episode, try not to numb yourself through watching, maybe to say TV or engaging in social media for hours on end because Mm -hmm. of the fact that it becomes a distraction and you're not dealing with the feelings that are showing up. Yeah, you make a very good point about that, Rade, because ultimately, no matter what coping skills we put in place, we still have to process those emotions. We still have Mm -hmm. to process those feelings because they're still connected to that episode. You know what I mean? It just doesn't go away because you have coping skills. So I think you made a very good point about that. And, you know, while you were saying that, it made me think of another, you know, something that I actually do. And um, I mentioned it earlier, but I use a very clinical term, which is basically uh, called cognitive restructuring. And basically mm-hmm. what that is, is basically we're disputing the the negative thoughts that we feed ourselves, you know, really mm-hmm. analyzing our thought process so that we can, you know, ultimately, you know, make sure that what we're feeling is connected to a logical experience. Because as exactly. we know, sometimes emotions will send you in all different types of directions. And sometimes that direction leads you to an irrational place or an illogical place. So for instance, you know, I could be like, you know what, I can't get anything done. I'm a failure. And then now I'm feeling disappointed in myself. And then now as a result, I'm not doing any of the things that I'm supposed to be doing. So a way of, you know, disputing that would be like, okay, well, what evidence do I have to prove that I'm I'm a failure? And if I can't come up with any evidence to prove that that thought to be true, then that means that that thought is illogical or irrational. And if that thought is irrational, then me being disappointed in myself is irrational. So from there, I can go ahead and I can reframe that to say, you know what? I'm not at my best today, but I will get X, Y, Z done today. Exactly. Um, I think alongside cognitive restructuring is where we use that yes and technique. Yes, I'm not doing my best today. And I know I'm trying my best. Right. It's being able to kind of create a balancing act with two truths. And not Mm -hmm. feeling like only one thing can be true. We don't have to have an all or nothing attitude or globalizing attitude where it drags us down even more. So, yeah, that was a great 
insight. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to move on to the next question here from a listener. Uh, There are times when I can't get out of bed or I feel so unmotivated to do anything. How do I deal with this? You have an answer for I mean, ultimately, it kind of goes back to what we kind of just discussed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I actually have um, something that I... um, gave one of my clients as a intervention, um, basically almost kind of like, you know, um, a parallel to a coping skill. So mm-hmm. this particular client had this very same issue with um, not being able to get out of bed and feeling unmotivated to do anything. And, you know, I told them, you know, before you go to bed, put your cell phone on the other side of the room, set an alarm. And when that alarm goes off, you know, one, it's going to be annoying <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's going to cause you to actually get out of bed to go grab it and turn it off and mm-hmm. kind of use that as a catalyst to then say, OK, well, I'm up and I have my phone. OK, so let's go into the to the uh, bathroom and I'll wash my face now. And that's almost kind of like symbolic of starting the day. Um, yeah, so that's I feel like that's a, you know, good step to kind of help you try to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I agree. Um, even if this looks like going from one room to the next, I used to do this thing where, and sometimes I still do, if I find myself laying in bed for too long and I'm beating myself up about it, I'm like, all right, girl, get up and go to the living room. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Gather all my things. I'm going to get up and go to the living room. Um, it, whatever that looks like, right. Just so that I can get out of the current space that I'm in, because mm-hmm. typically the space that we're in, if we're sleeping or we're laying in bed and unmotivated to move. It's normally a pretty dark space. We have to change the environment that we're in in order to create a different mood. And Mm -hmm. that looks like coming into a lighter space as well. Absolutely. And I was just going to say, when you said that, the the thing that popped in my head is open the blinds. I know that seems something something Mm -hmm. so small, but there is power in sunlight. I don't know what it is, you know, but (laughs) there's power in sunlight and being in a space that feels light and open. So um, I completely agree with Rade. Like, you know, if you've been laying in the bed and even if you feel like, okay, well, I may not be able to get to X, Y, Z, change your environment. Because if you change your environment or the space or the room that you're in, then you can ultimately change your perspective. And that may give you that jolt of energy or that jolt of motivation to actually get something off your to-do list done. Yeah, I definitely agree. And when you're making the to-do list, try not to put more than three things on there and make sure they're Mm -hmm. small. Even if it just looks like taking out the trash or if it looks like putting one dish inside of your sink, go and do it and then check it off. We accomplished something. Done. Absolutely. Yes, there is no small or large accomplishment. An accomplishment is an accomplishment regardless. Exactly. Regardless. Okay. Well, all right, fam. We're going to go into our earth lesson for the week. And our earth lesson is what you're feeling and experiencing is valid and you'll get through this. The goal is not to make depression go away, but to manage it. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right. So remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at RespectfullyMT and send your questions and topic requests to RespectfullyMT at gmail.com. Until next time, fam. Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist.